0: The VO Meter is produced in part using Source Connect made by Source-Elements.com. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly.
2: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Episode 95 of the VO Meter.
3: Measuring your voice over progress.
2: Today we're going to be interviewing prolific international voice talent, Stefan Kornikard. We've got a lovely review unit from sponsor Sennheiser. And we have our first questionable gear purchase submission from friend of the show, Stephen George. So, we've got a lot to cover, but before that, it's time for our VO Meter Reference Levels.
4: VoiceOver Extra brings you the VO
3: Meter Reference Levels. Uh, seriously guys, that's the best you could come up with? Hey, it's your show. So, Sean, what's been happening in your VO world?
2: Well, it's been a little quiet the last couple of weeks, not going to lie. But I've just been uh, doing a lot of auditions, been finding some fun character projects on Casting Call Club recently. Um, Ooh, I got a cool. new, uh, I, I briefly mentioned this last time, but I got some new representation. Thank you, Lala Petis, for adding me to your MCVO roster. Very happy about that. Congratulations.
3: Um, Welcome to the family.
2: Thank you, thank you. That's right. I mean, we talked about that afterwards. I was like, I should have just asked you for, for her referral. But luckily, uh, one of our GVAA members, Carol Albert, actually works with Lau, and she's just like, Have you heard of Sean Daly? He's amazing. And so she <laughs> she was singing my praises and and gave me a referral. So thank you, Carol, if you're listening.
3: Yeah, I got in with Lau actually through my kids, stuck <laughs> <laughs> oh, in really? the back door. What? Yeah, she needed some kids auditions. <laughs> I sent them to her, and then I was like, "By the way, their dad is a voice actor too," and that's how I got signed
2: up. (laughs) I'm the dadager, but
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so it really is a family affair.
2: That is pretty hilarious. That's awesome. So, uh, so there's that, and then uh, been teaching a lot of uh, voiceover for for Rekindle School for GVAA. We've got a lot of different events going on, and then other than that, a few of my regular e-learning clients. But other than that, it's been a little bit quiet this month, but hopefully that'll change soon. What about you, Paul?
3: Yeah, same story, actually, pretty, pretty quiet. I've had a couple of sessions for e-learning projects over the last couple of weeks, and those have been good. Um, no audiobooks, except for the ones I'm producing for Twin Flame Studios, and those are ongoing all the time. I'm just about to wrap up three of those, actually, so that's been, that has been keeping me pretty busy. I'm basically doing one or two sessions with authors almost every day. And then the live announcing is starting to wind down as well, because most of what I do is for universities and colleges, and it's about to be the end of school. So almost all sports teams are ending their seasons this week or next week. But I did get to do one thing that was cool. I did my first conference championship announcing for lacrosse, and that was for the Patriot League, which has a number of schools on the East Coast, and includes two of the service academies, Army and Navy, which is probably why it's called the Patriot League. And I did the playoffs for them with Navy winning the Navy women's lacrosse team and moving on to the next round. And then in two weeks, I'm doing an NCAA lacrosse tournament game, which will be the second time I've done that. I've done an NCAA uh, regional for field hockey, but now I'm doing lacrosse for that as well. And that'll be pretty fun. But the sports are really kind of winding down. So I'm going to have to find something else to do with my time. I know. More
2: audiobooks. Come on. Hire Paul. He's good.
3: (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. I have been auditioning for a ton of audiobooks lately, so hopefully one of those will land and I'll be able to continue working on those because it's one of my favorite things to do. Awesome. Well, here's hoping. Got my fingers crossed. So as we mentioned, it's time for
4: Questionable
3: Gear Purchase. And we've got maybe our first ever, it's, it's sort of a toss-up. We did have that one interview with Bob Johnson where we talked about how I screwed him, out of, screwed him over when I tried to offer him a booth and then reneged on it. But that wasn't really a purchase. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now we're going to feature Stephen George, who's a friend of the show and personal friend of both Sean and I. He and I did a little interview a couple of days ago where he talked about his new purchase and did a live sound test with it. So we're looking for feedback from our listeners about whether you actually think it's a questionable gear purchase or something he should be using uh, heretofore for his voiceover career. So have a listen. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the VO Meter. We've got a special treat. We're going to have what I believe is our first ever live questionable gear purchase from a listener and colleague, not from Sean and I buying something stupid. So welcome back to the show, Stephen George. How you doing, Stephen? Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me back. Apparently, I didn't scare you away too bad. No, of course not. You've been a long time friend to not only sean and i personally but you've been on the show before so we appreciate you coming back absolutely glad to be here to make an idiot out of myself (laughs) so i understand you've purchased a new mic and you want to sort of a b it against what you're currently using so tell us first what the new purchase is and what you're currently using
4: yeah so i recently purchased a roswell pro audio mk87 uh, microphone uh, which is a condenser mic And I, and I've, I'm used to condenser mics. Like when I first started, I had a blue blue Bluebird, and then bumped that up to a blue Kiwi. But uh, over the last mm, three and a half years or so, I've been using a Sennheiser MK416 shotgun mic. So it's a little bit, you know, different in the delivery. And it was a conversation that I started online a little bit on uh, Instagram and LinkedIn and just kind of asked the question, you know, how long do you normally use the, or have you been using the mic that you currently use in voiceover? Because is there, you know, an end date? And because microphones, if you take care of them, will last forever. So at what point do you change and why is really the question. And so, like I said, I've been through, technically I'm using my third mic and I've been using it for three and a half years. And But I wanted to see what this other mic, if it could produce any different or better or more clear sounds than the 416 does for my particular voice why'd you pick this particular model so i had heard good things from other folks who have roswell pro audio i've been kind of watching them for a while i've been on their newsletter hence the marketing that they do and i kind of kept my eye eye on them for i don't know six months to a year or so seeing what kind of deals they might have on their mics, what sounds good. I went to their YouTube channel and kind of tried to listen to some of the different microphone options they have available, which on any of their microphones, they have an option to do what's called a custom job for a high output option, which is supposed to be more for uh, voices, singing and voiceover. So I went ahead and added on that option to this particular microphone just to see if it did in, uh, produce the results
3: it intended. All right, cool. Well, like I said, I think you're going to do a live test, so you're on the 416 now, right? Yes, so the Roswell Pro Audio is currently turned down, and we're not getting any signal from it. Okay, and you have a, a sample script, I understand, right?
4: Yes, I pulled one from the GVAA. There you go, Sean.
3: Oh, Global nice. Global Voice Acting Academy e-learning scripts. Sponsor of the show, by the way, so thank you very much. Absolutely. All right, well, turn down the 4.16 and turn up the Roswell, and let's let's see what we got. Well, actually, no, no, don't do that. Scratch that. Do the this, this script first on the 4.16, and then we'll take a pause, and you can switch to the Roswell so we can sort of A-B it, which is the whole point of this. Absolutely. All right, so the script that
4: I'm going to be using is the Power Supply script from the GVAA script library. All right. And this is a cold read, too, by the way. Good, we're all judging. That's right. In general, power supply is a device that supplies energy to applications. Some examples would be batteries, solar cells, etc. Power supply unit, or PSU, is a device that supplies energy, be it solar, electric, or electromagnetic, to applications. The term PSU is most commonly applied to electrical power supplies. These provide electricity for the movement of biomolecules, proteins, and nucleic acids in laboratory applications of electrophore- Ooh, whoa! there's a word at the end of that I didn't see.
3: <laughs> that tells you how cold it is. <laughs> so I think we've got enough. You can probably stop right. before that last sentence. All right. All right, bring that down and bring it up. In the meantime, I'll talk about your reading skills. So I have a couple of critiques. First, uh, the diction was good. A little less emotion than I would have liked from this kind of script. But overall, not bad. <laughs> As everybody knows, I'm not a coach at all. I'm just uh, spitballing here. All right, Stephen, you ready with the the read on the Roswell? Yeah, let's give it a shot. See what you guys think. In general, power supply
4: is a device that supplies energy to applications. Some examples would be batteries, solar cells, etc. Power supply unit, or PSU, is a device that supplies energy, be it solar, electric, or electromagnetic to applications. The term PSU is most commonly applied to electrical power
3: supplies. Minus the bumps along the way there. That's yeah, that's the good enough to get. That's good enough to get a, a good idea. I think. I'm gonna be honest. I'm only listening with one ear right now because the way I have my interface set up, I only have mono coming out of the headphones, and it sounds almost exactly the same to me. <laughs> uh, I think it's probably more an indication of the quality studio you have set up in your place as opposed to the difference in the mics. But with, with just the right ear, I, I can't tell a difference at all.
4: Well, and that's kind of where I was just in a brief kind of test that I did uh, a couple of weeks ago after I, it took me a week to, like, unbox the thing. And um, I, when I did a quick kind of 30-second test, I'm like, I don't know that I hear a difference. And But I also think that, you know, it could be just the quality of the product. And again, this is a a price point that's a little different too. So this particular microphone sells or retails for like 500 bucks, Mm -hmm. and we all know what the difference in the 416 is. So that was part of the the investment piece was a consideration as well. It's like, okay, if I need a backup and it's going to give me consistent results, can I rely on this uh, at that price point?
3: Yeah, I would say definitely yes. I, the only thing I would say now I listen a little bit more closely is I can hear more of the, I don't even know how to describe it, the, the parts of your speech that aren't exactly the the words, but like the ends and the beginning of phrases. So the 416 does not pick up when you're basically done talking and you just have that sort of guttural sound in your throat, which is mm-hmm. not necessarily something you want, so maybe that's a better thing for, for broadcast or um, field work, but I'm hearing more nuances in, in your voice, which I think is probably good for audiobooks, uh, long-form, e-learning, the like, where you want that sort of intimate connection. So I can see why, and I know this from personal experience, that some people don't like to use a shotgun for long-form because they feel like it does miss those nuances. So I do hear a little bit more of that in the Roswell, which, in my opinion, is usually a good thing.
4: Yeah. And so I was actually, to your point, Paul, I was hoping to see if I could hear a little bit less low end, not much, but I just, in case there's any kind of boominess coming from that 416 or getting a, just a little bit brighter tone from this microphone, I was really hoping to see if I could achieve just a little bit of subtleness to that, to brighten it up to your point.
3: Maybe slightly. Again, I had to listen back with both the ears a little more closely, maybe turn the volume up, but all in all, I think it's very close and would definitely be a serviceable backup if nothing else there you go so listeners please feel free to chime in either on our facebook page on twitter if anyone's still using that or just send sean or i an email sean send send sean or me an email or send steven an email and let us know what you think steven how can folks find you if they want to do that or to hire you as a voice actor yeah definitely email me and tell me
4: why did you read it that way? You need some serious coaching. Please don't ever do that again. You can email that to, I'm not kidding, at stephengeorgevo.com. No. Um, it's, uh, you can reach me at stephen at stephengeorgevo.com.
3: Stephen is with a PH. All right, Stephen. Thanks for being here on our first ever live listener Questionable Gear Purchase. We really appreciate it. We'll do it live. Exactly.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much, Stephen. So for those who aren't familiar, you might remember that Roswell Audio uh, actually made a voiceover-specific mic several years ago. It was kind of a collaboration with uh, voice talent and audio engineer Jordan Reynolds. So I know a lot of pro- er, high-profile talent went on to buy and love the RAVO, but now they've kind of, Roswell's kind of uh, moved away from that model and trying to create more accessible ones. And uh, and they even released one in Steven's favorite color, apparently, so he had to buy it. But anyways, thank you so much for submitting. Anyways, um, as we mentioned at the beginning, our sponsor Sennheiser has actually sent us their new USB mic that they're uh, marketing towards podcasters, streamers, and voice talent. It's called their uh, the Profile mic and because it has a very attractive slim profile on your desk and it includes uh, the microphone itself which is kind of based off of the design of their popular mk4 Um, it's got a very similar size and weight to that with one difference the chassis is kind of um, it's constructed to be a sort of cradle mount that you can attach either to a small disc for a desktop stand, or it actually comes with an included boom arm. Um, it actually, it's it's a really nicely uh, kind of high tension but small boom arm. That's a little bit more. Uh, I'll talk more about that in a second. But it reminds me a lot of the the blue compass arm if you've seen that kind of in the in the design language. It's very sleek. It's got some um, some hidden cable ties that kind of uh keep the the included usb cable out of the way uh and hidden and also no exposed springs more importantly no exposed springs yes so um it's very quiet to use it's very strong especially when you get it out of the box so um
3: like, I want to mention before you it, go too far that, that you and I are both using the profile right now to do this this episode.
2: Oh yeah! Surprise! So if things sound <laughs> different, hopefully good or better, who knows? Well, maybe not better, because then I feel like I'd spent too much on my studio. But anyways, hopefully it sounds acceptable and really good. I mean, you'd expect as much from Sennheiser, maker of popular microphones like the 416. All in all, uh, I, I was just kind of comparing it to some of the mics that I have with me right now, and I'm pretty impressed. It, it's it's definitely acceptable for as an entry level microphone, and it might be really convenient for people who are in, say, like using a closet setup, or maybe they might be in a situation like when I first started where my booth was very far from my computer so I needed to use an iPad or an iPhone to record my tracks and then transfer it over to my computer to edit. So this is USB-C, so it's compatible with Apple devices like an iPad Pro, an iPad Air, anything that's USB-C compatible. So uh, that's an option as well, and it is compatible with Android devices and Windows as well. So, it's pretty versatile i'm I'm pretty like honestly in in the what is it seven years we've done this show i I'm pretty amazed at how affordable and
3: versatile tech has become. yeah, I would agree. And as I said, we're both using it, and I've been impressed as well with a lot of the features. One i I just used actually was the mute function. You probably heard me bump it a little bit as you were talking, but <laughs> yeah yeah, I don't have a way to mute myself inside the booth because all of my controls are outside at the editing bay. Mm. So it's often a problem when we're doing the podcast because I'm always hacking and, and drinking water in the background and tr- struggling to be as quiet as possible. So I actually use the mute button, which is right on the front of the microphone here and easy to control, along with the gain control, the mix control between what you're hearing versus, uh, versus the mix on the computer, and a headphone control. So it has built-in headphone jack, too. I'm not sure if you mentioned that, but I'm using the built-in headphones just to see what it sounded like, and those are great, too. I can hear you mm-hmm. loud and clear, Captain
2: nice nice that i am hearing just a little like a little inherent noise in the headphone amp but in listening to the playback of the mic itself it's it's very self-nosed minimum if absent and i like like you were just saying i like the the simple design of this microphone you've got two inputs on the back which is where you plug in your your 3.5 millimeter headphone jack and your USB C input and then on the front as paul said you got your mute button your mic gain your mix knob and your headphone gain and i thought it was interesting how they kind of delineated these symbols you've got kind of like a black mic to a white mic is going from like low to high gain and stuff like that and a similar thing with the headphones but it's an attractive looking mic and at 150 dollars it's not a bad place to get started with your audio
3: yeah i also want to mention the the led lights so there is a green light that tells you when it's on there's a red light that tells you when it's muted. And then the green light will also uh, change when it's c- clipping. So I'm not clipping now because I know how to set proper gain levels. But if you were <laughs> a, a newer person to voiceover and had that problem, it would show you when it was clipping. And then there's two packages that, that, that are uh, options to buy. One is the regular profile, and that comes with the microphone, a table stand, and a USB-C cable. And then what Sean and I are both using is the Profile Streaming Set, and that includes the microphone, the boom arm, and a cable, and a mic pouch. And the boom arm, like Sean said, is really cool. I do like that it's, t- it's smaller, and it could it be really useful for mounting to a ceiling of a-, of a booth. Like right now, I use an Innogear boom arm that's mounted to the roof of my studio bricks. And this is almost the exact same size, so I could just swap this one out for that. In fact, I might even do that, because uh, why not? I have it now. And... It would fit perfectly into the, uh, the cleat I have on the top of the booth and mount my other mic to it. And speaking of, Sean and I both have our other mics basically ready at the ready to, to listen, so I think we might do a quick A-B test of our normal studio mics or different mics that we have in our, in our lockers versus the profile, if that's okay with you, Sean.
2: Sounds good. Yeah. So right now I have kind of my other like main USB mic right now. It's the the Rode VideoMic NTG. It retails for about two hundred and fifty dollars, but I was able to get mine for about one hundred and fifty used. But anyways, so th- this is what I've been using, pretty much how I would use the Profile mic as kind of a web conferencing or a travel mic, um, basically as a backup. So we are transitioning from the Profile to the Rode in three two, one. All right. And now we are on the road. So you might notice um, very different sonic characteristics. I'm noticing this Mm -hmm. one's a little bit more um, kind of in your face, maybe even a little bit more bass frequencies there. Um, And it was funny because it's like, I thought this mic was fairly transparent until I was playing it back and forth with the profile. And I, I think that that mic wins as far as neutrality and in just being a great baseline for a variety of voices. What do you think?
3: Yeah, same thing. I was going to describe it as more forward, probably because it is a shotgun, and its its main function is to pick up faraway sounds on a camera. So Yeah, and it's it only like a fist distance that. away, so there's definitely some proximity effect there. <laughs> yeah, uh, it depends on what you're using it for or what you like. Um, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to switch to... I only have one other mic hooked up. This is my studio mic that I use most of the time. It's the Neat King B, the original, not the Neat King B2 that was made by um, Gibson. So mm-hmm. I'm going to switch to that. And it is it is much darker, but I know this, and it's what I like about it. But I'd love to hear what people think about it. So going from the profile in three, two, one. Okay, and now we're back on the King B, and this is what that sounds like. I'll read a quick, quick piece of copy from the profile's... Uh, Feature set on the website. So the profile features an adjustable tilt function with a self-locking joint so you can aim the mic directly towards the sound source. Depending on your needs, the profile includes either a table stand for compact convenience or a boom arm for optimal positioning. Well, I could have just read that first instead of talking about it ourselves. I didn't realize they actually talked about it too. So anyway, this is the oops, turned up the volume a little bit too high. This is the Neat King B. Through my Yamaha AGO six, and I'm gonna switch back to the profile. standby. and we're back. Nice. Sorry, I was experimenting with the mute button, but anyways. Oh, I was <laughs> that, wondering what happened to you.
2: Yeah, no, um, I was trying to be polite, but um, <laughs> interesting. I'm noticing, like, I'm surprised how this has a much hotter output on your on your voice at least than the than the King B did. So, well, I may uh, have it, it too. Sounds... I may have it too
3: close. Uh oh, <laughs> but I think it sounds really nice on your voice the profile or the king bee or both uh, the profile mm. oh okay i've actually been worried that my my lack of landing auditions recently might be due to my sound because i'm always paranoid as people know i'm wondering if maybe my preference for the neat king bee is misguided because it is very dark and i may want to look at something a little bit brighter any thoughts on that
2: well any excuse to keep that revolving door rotating in your studio <laughs> <so>. <laughs> <laughs> and, also, and now, uh, I wanted to try and do one more uh, mic comparison. It's definitely an unfair one, but it is another Sennheiser mic, uh, the, the notorious uh, or infamous Sennheiser 416. So um, just give me one second to turn on my interface, and we're going to swap over there in just a second.
3: In the meantime, talk amongst yourselves. I'll give you a topic. Remember Coffee Talk from SNL? It was one of my favorite skits, Mike Myers. I think it was Linda Baldwin was his character. Any luck there, Mr. Daly?
2: Alright, check check. There we go. Now we got uh the Sennheiser. Okay. So now we are on the Sennheiser four sixteen going into my primary interface, the Sentrance Portcaster. So uh ideally the sound will be much better, but please keep in mind this uh I mean, the portcaster's like 500, the Sennheiser's like, what, 800 to 900, depending on when you get it. So this is about 10 times more expensive than what you would be getting with the profile mic. So please keep that in mind. All right. And since we were talking e-learning, here's a bit from the profile safety instructions. 1. Read these safety instructions and the instruction manual of the product. 2. Keep these safety instructions and the instruction manual of the product. Always include all instructions when passing the product on to third parties. Three, only use attachments, accessories, and spare parts specified by the manufacturer. Four, caution. The protective basket and pop shield must be completely dry when you mount them on the microphone. Moisture can cause malfunctions or damage to the capsule. And we'll stop there.
3: (laughs) Hope you guys feel safe and important. So final thoughts, it's definitely a great package, both the microphone by itself and the boom arm. Uh, I definitely recommend it to people who are starting out and just want a simple solution to connect to either their laptop or their iPad. Uh, I probably would not use it full-time in the studio just because Sennheiser does have better mics. I don't think they deny that. Um, If I was gonna go back to a Sennheiser mic, I'd probably use the MK8 or maybe a 416. And, uh, but yeah, it's a a great product overall and I really thank Sennheiser for sending it to us to test.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think for their in their marketed demographic of streamers and podcasters it's a perfect fit for voice talent and makes a great entry-level microphone or perhaps a backup or travel mic and and again with that small boom arm i think it, it's really an attractive option for people working out of a closet or or trying to have a ceiling mounted solution like what you mentioned paul uh, or maybe you just like working at your desk right or, or maybe you just want more of a, a conferencing mic i'm really impressed with the self noise it's very quiet the build quality is excellent for the price and um i I just love how quiet and neutral the
3: sound is well done sennheiser one other thing i wanted to mention i'm running this through a very long usb cable and even with a coupler in between so i have the usb cable going through the booth wrapped around like the outside wall of my of my room behind a desk and then up through the hole in the desk into the computer. So with all those things there's a lot of potential for dropouts especially if if something mm-hmm. needs a lot of power most interfaces would not work for that distance of a run and you haven't heard any dropouts have you Sean
2: No no that's really impressive because USB-C even has a shorter recommended cable length than than standard or USB-A Sennheiser definitely did not chintz on the uh, the USB cable that came with this. Like it is, it is thick. It is oh god, it sounds dirty. It, it's thick. It's long. It's girthy. It's very, it's very
3: durable and capable. It'll perform well. I guarantee. <laughs> yeah, but I found that really impressive because, like I said, most USB devices would crap out with that distance of a run, and this has been fine.
2: Mm-hmm. I was curious how you're doing, because that was my biggest concern with a booth setup, right? Is just being able to connect it to your computer if it's out of the booth.
3: Well, that's how I do it. I have a, a USB-A cable that, co- that goes to a, uh, a female USB-A connection with, with a coupler. And then whatever I need, I just mm. plug into the coupler inside the booth. Usually it's my camera. So right now I unplug the camera, plugged in the profile, and it's working like a charm.
2: Oh, yeah. I had a similar setup at, uh, at the old house, um, but luckily I was able to move the booth closer to the desk. And so, like I said, it comes with a really nice 3-meter USB-C, which is pretty much the longest they recommend for audio applications, but the fact that you found a, like a, a bit of a MacGyver solution
3: that works fine is great. Yeah. So kudos once again to Sennheiser. The mic does retail for $129. If we haven't said that, I really don't remember. Uh, you can pick it up at... Sennheiser's website themselves, sennheiser.com, or any of your fine audio retailers.
2: That's right. That's $129 for the mic itself, and $199 if you want the streamer set with that cool boom arm. Well, thanks again, Sennheiser, for these awesome review mics. Uh, that wraps up this session of questionable gear purchases, but there'll always be more. Don't worry. But enough gear talk. It's on to performance talk with our guest, Stefan
4: Kornikard. How many times has this happened to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on. Not unlike this one. And this guy starts talking. Not unlike myself.
1: Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking. Not unlike myself. And you think to yourself, geez, I could do that.
0: Well, mister. Well, missy. You just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist. Because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. All the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself.
1: Well, not this one exactly.
0: Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more. All without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead, take our jobs from us. We dare you.
4: Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do.
0: And you will, too, when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at globalvoiceacademy.com. Because
1: you like to have fun.
2: Studio Bricks designs and creates the highest-performing portable sound isolation booths. Their professionally perfected acoustics enhances your performance and takes your recording to their maximum quality from your home studio. Forget about managing noise conflicts with your neighbors and family. Pursue your passion for voiceover on your own time and on your own
1: terms. In these modern times, every business needs a website. When you need a website for your voice acting business, there's only one place to go. Like the name says, voiceactorwebsites.com. Their experience in this niche webmaster market gives them the ability to quickly and easily get you from concept to live online in a much shorter time. When you contact voiceactorwebsites.com, Their team of experts and designers really get to know you and what your needs are. They work with you to highlight what you do. Then they create an easily navigable website for your potential clients to get the big picture of who you are and how your voice is the one for them. Plus, voiceactorwebsites.com has other great resources like their practice script library and other resources to help your voiceover career flourish. Don't try it yourself. Go with the pros. Voiceactorwebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what
2: hi everyone and thank you for joining us for the interview portion of this episode our guest today has quite the illustrious and storied career he's the winner of the Sovos outstanding body of works best voice actor awarded voice of the year in 2021 2022 and shortlisted for the 2023 at one voice conference london stefan Cornicard is a multilingual actor director and acting coach the live announcer at the london 2012 olympics one of the voices of the Vatican, Sotheby's, the United Nations, and the World Health Organization, he studied linguistics at Kong University, Colby College, and holds an MA in the process of production from Goldsmiths College, London. He recorded his first professional VO at the age of 15 after a director overheard him impersonating his grandmother on the bus. Acting is still what gives him the biggest buzz, from on-camera to lip-sync dubbing, from stage to game consoles, His motto is, there are no small parts, only small actors. But games and dubbings are big favorites. He started working for video games when video games started to speak, and has voiced and directed over 400 titles, including Control, Overwatch, Plague Tale, Dark Souls 2 and 3, Total War, Fable, Cubics 1 and 2, Primal, Lara Croft, Siphon Filter 1, 2 and 3, Metal Gear Liquid Snake, Spyro the Dragon 1, 2 and 3, Colony Wars 1 and 2, Medieval, Rugrats, Storybooks, Gunball 3000, Zara, and In Memoriam. He has given talks and ran workshops at the Actors' Center London, British Equity, VO Atlanta, That's VoiceOver, Develop Brighton, the National Film and TV School, and the French Ministry of Education. He wakes up every morning thinking, this is awesome. His second thought is usually, where am I? Please join us in welcoming our wonderful guest, Stefan Cornicard. How are you yeah. doing,
0: sir? I am very well, I think you, 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 you make it sound very impressive.
2: <laughs> it um, is very impressive, are you kidding me? It's amazing. <laughs> thank you, thank you very
3: much. So Stefan, uh, tell us, how did you get started in the business? We have a bit from your background, but tell us in your
0: own words. Well, I, I, I've always sort of um, been the clown in the class, because it was the safe place to be. Um, being too clever was not a good idea, being too sporty was not on the cards and Mm -hmm. and being funny and being the clown really sort of made me not dangerous so the bullies wouldn't sort of well they eventually got me but but for a while being being the clown and imitating people was the the right way to go for me so i've always done that kind of you know character work that kind of using my voice a lot and one day I was, as I said in the um, in the bio, I was imitating my grandmother, who was a formidable woman and mm-hmm. uh, and making my friends laugh when there was um, there was actually a an agent behind me who was actually looking for this kind of voice for a literary magazine, and it was with one of those literary magazines with a cassette tape um, for those who were old enough to remember those I remember um, <laughs> yep, and um, and basically every magazine had a cassette tape, and on the cassette tape, they had various extracts of literary works, including, at some stage, when I was 15, my voice, as a cantankerous old woman. <laughs> and um, yes, and so that was me started. Um, I mean, I was doing theater anyway. I was uh, sort of, you know, very big at uh, age, 18. No, at age 17, I did my first direction in a professional stage. And at age 18, I was director of my own company. At age 19, I wrote my first play, which was then performed on on the French stage. And, And at age 20, I got two scholarships, one to study the subject of my choice in the university of my choice, which was Colby College. And the other one was to be a writer for a year. And um, I couldn't do both, so I chose to go to the states and, uh, and study with uh, the likes of Dick Sewell for, um, for a year. And then after that, I uh, sort of taught for a year before working um, on a theater in a theater off Broadway for a little bit so that's how i got started but the main main bit when i really got started was when i arrived in london i became the voice of the uh, cartoon network so i was the on-air promos uh, menus bumpers pretty much you name it i was the voice of the cartoon network for around about eight years i think all in all and then when I got a little bit too old to be the voice of the Cartoon Network, they wanted to keep me, Turner, and, uh, and they moved me to TCM, Turner Classic Movies. So there was a completely different kind of voice where I, I announced the big classics. Um, but it was, it was a lot of fun, and I did that for another eight or nine years, which was fun.
2: Wow, wonderful story. I mean, your meteoric rise seemed to start with a bang, like you just started young and then never stopped
0: <laughs> I, I was I, I was very lucky i I, I mean, I thank the stars i was i I was born a dragon of the Chinese sign, and apparently with the luckiest sign in the Chinese zodiac sounds like it yeah <laughs> uh, yeah and and and, uh, and yes i I'm touching wood as we speak <laughs> Awesome. A
2: little, su- a little healthy superstition never hurt anyone. Yeah, no, but, but, hurt, sure. <laughs> but it sounds like too. I mean, we always say that uh, luck really is when preparation meets opportunity, and you see that's you the phrase I was looking for task. last episode. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> It was still fresh, yeah. We only did it last week. Um, but anyways, so uh, we talked about a few of the different, I mean, you, you mentioned in your story just now and, and in your bio, some of the genres that you do. But yeah. in your own words, what are what are your primary genres? And do you have any insights on why they might be your primary genres?
0: Okay, so I I don't really have primary genres. That is to say, I do pretty much everything um from the only thing i don't do and i'm intending to remedy that is um audiobooks um i've only done six and i'm i went to apac this year to get some agents and and try to get the ball rolling because i think i'm not busy enough um but i i i do pretty much everything across the board from adverts to well commercials to to corporate to e-learning to how-to videos to... I don't do that much IVR. Um, The only time I do IVR, I usually do four or five languages because they want me to do pretty much all the languages that they're um, putting out there. So I do a few of those, but only the ones that require four or more languages. But apart from that, yes, I do pretty much everything. (laughs) <laughs>
3: so you mentioned audiobooks that you're just looking to get into. Yeah. I'm curious why you haven't before now, because I actually went the other way. I started in audiobooks and now have about 150 out there. So yeah. what was the challenge with audiobooks early on?
0: There was no challenge. I, I, I wanted to make money. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'll be blunt, I, I, I looked at the various... When I started, first of all, I did promos and promos were paid um 150 pounds an hour i was on standby a lot of the time for the cartoon network and tcm so i didn't really have much time to give to audiobooks and then later on it was always a question of oh audiobooks they're hard work that's what i heard from the industry and even though i've got a um a degree in literature it was gnawing at me at the back of my mind thinking you should really sort of give it a give it a go because you there's some downtime in my day where I could easily pick up one or two chapters and and just do them waiting for the next jobs. Um and I yeah, so it was quite successful APAC for me. I, I got sort of signed by about four people. That's um, great. yeah. So um yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how how, how things go on that score. Because it's a completely different skill set. Mm-hmm. Resilience, I think and the ability to, well, not make much many mistakes um, is quite <laughs> is quite also, because otherwise, if you, if you start making loads of mistakes, then it's no longer financially viable. Um, so I'm gonna have to learn new, new tricks and new, I'm very good at short form, and I do long form for audio guides a lot. Like for the Vatican, I do extremely long form, usually 7,000, 10,000 words, sometimes 20 but it's nowhere near what an audio book would be. So I'm looking forward to that sort of starting that, but it's going to, it's still going to be a sort of sideline. I I don't want to sort of go full blast into it Um, because I've, I've got clients. I'm a, I'm the busiest voice actor. I know
2: (laughs) (laughs) one of the biggest, or busiest ones we know too.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. It seems like, it. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm blushing at this end.
2: So, you just mentioned that you're kind of taking on this new challenge of pursuing the the audiobook genre. So, kind of a two-part question. What was your biggest challenge getting started, and what's your current biggest
0: challenge in your career? I think the biggest challenge getting started was that everybody wanted to put me in a box. And I hate boxes. and And that was the hardest thing. Because, first of all, when I arrived in London, I was the French guy. And, of course, it took a long time to be able to explain that, yes, I'm French, but it doesn't mean that I cannot do RP English or that I cannot have an American accent. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's like an, any niche. You, you know, you, the niche is the way to get into the business. And then after that, for your entire career, you'll be fighting to get out of it. And that very much was my case. I had to sort of convince people that I was not just good at doing funny voices uh, because the Cartoon Network was so big. All my demos were very much here and talking like this. And, and and of course, my natural voice is more here. So I had a hard time convincing people not to put me in boxes. Um, that was And the current challenge, I, I think the current challenge is, is twofold. On the one hand, I could easily stop being so driven and start sort of looking after my garden and do things for me more. And I'm fighting that. I am fighting that tendency to want to slow down. And the the other part is convincing people that at 55, um, my career is far, far, far from over. And that is, that is I think, the challenges that I'm, I'm gonna to start to face now as, as time goes on. Age, it's, I think we, we are in a, in a culture which is very ageist and, and even in the voice of the world. And I think that's gonna be one of the challenges. But I'm looking forward to sort of, like for example, this morning, I auditioned for a, an old woman <laughs> so, so i'm back i'm back full circle really. <laughs> that's um,
2: hilarious it
0: is it is yeah i i wasn't supposed to audition for it i thought oh f- it i'm doing it sorry excuse my excuse my french
2: Sorry, <laughs> we wonderful. can we can
0: bleep it out if we need oh you me. can bleep it <laughs> Oh, good. So I can I, can, but, I, I can square, <laughs> square a lot.
2: Indeed. With impunity, it's fine. <laughs> but thank you so much. I'm so glad that you commented on a lot of people. I mean, I knew when I came into this uh, a decade ago, I thought of it as like the most freeing and, and liberating form of, of performance. And as you mentioned, you are still typed, or you are typecasted, and you are niched for a variety of reasons. And it, it's really invigorating to hear that you can still you can fight against that, and you can, you can prove to people that like, they can't put you in a box, or at least you can prove yourself to be an asset in ways that they don't expect.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And also, I think, I mean, one of the advantages, like, for example, of working remotely, is that people don't necessarily see my face. All they hear is my voice. And therefore, the suspension of disbelief can function quite well. That's why sometimes on, on, on pay to play sites or on agency websites, I'm not quite keen on putting my picture, uh, mm-hmm. because I think the picture can actually influence the people who cast. Whereas if they base it exactly and only on the voice, then, well, they can't go wrong really, because what they hear is what they hear. So yeah, that's my my uh my take on that
3: no makes perfect sense so shifting gears a bit we talked about in the bio how you've won a ton of industry awards how has that affected your voiceover career and have any
0: clients mentioned the awards when reaching out to you well i think uh, awards are very much like anything else you've got to use them like j michael collins is a case in point If you think about it, his entire business, really the credibility of his business came from the fact that he won so many service awards for demo productions, and he was very good at using those in order to promote himself. So I I took a, a leaf out of his book, and basically when I started sort of competing for awards, because that's very recent, it's only in the past four years that I've started doing it. Um, never entered anything before four years ago. But what I did is when I won Voice of the Year in 2020 and 2021 for At One Voice, I had press releases, which got me quite a few articles in various magazines, the press, etc. When I won Sovers, it was a question of contacting agents. And um, I'm very, very pleased that that was very uh, successful. Because, however, however we we look at it, the award is only good for oneself when we need reassurance. But its its main purpose is to get us more work, hopefully. Like for example, I got signed by DPN um, when I was at VO Atlanta, and I think, I mean, apart from the efforts of various people who said. Oh, you've got to sign him up, um, but I think the the uh, Award was quite a big quite a big deal in that decision of for, for them to uh, to sign me up. Yeah, it's what you do with them, really, because if if it's just I, I don't even have the physical award uh, for Silvers. Um I don't need it. It's just going to be a dust collector in my bathroom. <laughs> so for me, the, the the important thing is to have won it. And to be able to send an email to all my clients and say, part of our job is really reassuring our clients that they've made the right choice. And, and if you say, look, award, outstanding body of work, best voiceover, hello. Then they go, yeah, we chose the right guy. And, um, and I think that's how awards are, are important. And that's why they're important
2: wonderful response because i know a lot of people question the the value of these things and and just i'm noticing this theme of just constant networking in a very strategical like uh or in like a strategy used for whatever tools to promote yourself you have available
0: we're only as good as how many people know us and 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 i cultivate repeat clients i mean for me a, a job is not a job a job is the beginning of a relationship with a client who will come back to me year after year after year after year i've been working for the vatican for over 20 years i've been working for the uh, world health organization for 15 years the red cross for about 25 years these are people that i i value their their trust in me and I tell them that I value their trust i've I've also got a um, a touch I'm um, of asperger so I'm slightly on the spectrum and uh, and one of the things that it does it's it allows me to see my way from A to Z quite easily. I get lost in a corridor literally but I can speak seven languages and I am very good at strategizing I'm very good at giving my focus to the one thing that I'm focused on. I become completely SpongeBob um, in, that, in that moment, completely focused on, on, on what I do. Wonderful.
2: Well, let's talk about a new type of relationship you've been cultivating uh, recently with your coaching clients. As we said before, you're an actor, you're a director. How did coaching start?
0: Without me wanting to, I got several people asking me to coach. Um, to coach them, because I've got, I've got two mentors. Um, I've got one mentor for the business side, and I've got one mentor for the artistic side. And I've had them for twenty years. I value our relationship. I pay them. I meet with them once every month or once every two months, depending on what we're working on, and they have been so instrumental in getting me out of my own head and helping me to strategize, to plan, to, to look at it like a business and say, this is where I am, this is where I want to be, what are the steps? And I'm also accountable to them. So, because I, I really, I mean, there are, there are people that I absolutely adore and value, and therefore I don't want to disappoint them. So if they give me something to do and say we'll meet in a month, you can be damn sure that I'll have that thing done because otherwise I'll probably be sort of trimming my daffodils um, <laughs> in the garden um, because I, I'm a, the, the best pro- procrastinator you've ever met.
2: Um, a professional procrastinator. <laughs>
0: oh, I am absolutely. That's why I surround myself with people who I am accountable to because I don't want to disappoint them. And that's why when a client says, oh, can you do this or oh, do it in your own time? I go, no, no, please give me, <laughs> give me, a, please deadline. Give me a deadline, <laughs> otherwise it'll never be done. So, yeah, so coaching started like that. So I coach and I mentor now. That means I see people for an hour, once a month uh, for a set fee. Uh, it's a long term relationship. I don't do mentoring like a one off or, or even for a year. It is a long term thing because it's a marathon. It's not a, a sprint. And I also coach and I coach. So I coach two things. I coach, um, acting per se, like how to do character work for video games, animation, and that kind of thing, or good acting because acting, whatever genre, is the same route. It's the, it's, a, the belief of being other. And, um, and the other thing that I teach is, is how to approach copy in a meaningful, semantic way. A lot of people make the mistake, I think, of thinking, okay, it's an e-learning, therefore I've got to go da 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 And the result of that is that people are actually half asleep by the time you're halfway through the first page. Finding the music of meaning is what I teach. And, and the, the music of the meaning you've decided you're going to give to that piece, because I mean, a, a piece of script can have hundreds of interpretations and all of them valid, but one of them will be more valid than the others. And that's the one that I teach and how to use the music of meaning in order to get the message across.
3: Brilliant. I sat in on some of your sessions when you were presenting at One Voice and I was blown away pretty much immediately. So I can imagine how, how effective you must be in your coaching style.
0: Oh, thank you. I, 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 I've got good results. I've, I've got some people who've just been signed up with big agencies and, and that, and I mean, it, it's, I, you cannot teach talent, talent is there or it's not, but what you can teach is technique, things to look out for, how to be clean in your endeavors, how to be precise, how to once again, find the, me- the music of meaning, uh, but talent, you can't teach. It's it's, and, and, and very often I, I get people who do one session with me. And then after the one session, I, I, I say, no, I say you would be wasting your money, uh, coming to me. Maybe you need to sort of go back to the grassroots and start, um, an acting class. Because I think I'm—I mean, if if you pay me $150, $200 an hour to coach you, you don't want to lo- to waste your money. And I am—I—I would hate myself for being one of those coaches who just sort of ka-ching at the end of each session and care less about you than their bank account. I—that is not me. So, out of let's say four people who approach me, I will probably turn away one or two? Yeah, because first of all, I don't have the time and then if 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 I start to teach and I, I don't look forward to that session, I'll find every excuse in the book to postpone it. <laughs> and, I, and I'll go, oh, I'm sorry I'm, I've got a headache. I' not. <laughs> Whereas if I enjoy working with that person, if I think there is talent there, and if I think that I can bring something, then I look forward to that session. it's it's a, it's a challenge, it's an exciting, it's it's nice. But I, 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 I don't do acting 101.
2: Mhm. Well, I really appreciate that integrity. And and I mean, I've I've worked with a lot of different coaches through through GVA, through Global Voice Acting Academy, and sometimes you see what you call like an achievement gap. Like an ability or a person's ability or their ability to understand the instruction is not at that level at that time. And and yeah. you're right, it can be uh, it can be a waste of people's time because no yeah. matter how the coach frames their instruction, It's beyond that person's current ability. And so we either have to make adjustments on the fly or just be like, maybe work with this coach instead,
0: you know? So it's also, also, I think there's one thing, I mean, I'll be even harsher than you in the sense that, and I, I, am never harsh in my sessions or my coaching, but I am, I am gently stern in, in the sense that some people have it and some people don't. And I think it's, it's a, it's dishonest to make someone believe that they can make it in this business, which is it's quite cutthroat. Not cutthroat in the sense of the competition, but cutthroat in the sense that if you do not perform well once in the session, you are not likely to work for that person again. And I think it's, it's unfair to actually promote their self-belief if, if they don't have the talent to make it, to hack it in the business as much as sometimes it's hard, and it's hard for me as much as for the person who hears it, I will be bluntly honest and and say, you know, you, you're you talking about going into animation, you are facing people who are extremely talented. And, and you arrive and perhaps you don't have the tools, the innate tools, to be able to do that kind of thing. You don't have the range, you don't have um, and I think it's important to be honest. It's important to, to actually let them know. Of course, if on the other hand, there's incredible promise, then yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all for sort of, come on, you can make it. You can, you can be the next Bugs Bunny. But we need more honesty, I think, on the coaching level, both on both sides of the Atlantic.
3: Yeah, I would tend to agree. And I always appreciate that sort of honesty. So it's great to hear that's how you approach it. So aside from not really being ready or maybe not even being a fit for the industry, what are some other mistakes you see actors make in your coaching sessions?
0: So I've talked about the music of meaning. A lot of them sort of come for acting, acting, thinking that doing funny voices is sufficient to, be, to work in animation or video games. And it is part of the, the skill It is, it is one of the, so I've created, so I'll do a a quite aside. I've created a system, um, which is, I use in my, in my acting classes, my sort of theatrical acting classes, as well as the VO acting classes, which is all about, it's called the string theory. And basically it, it takes into account that the string that makes an actor is composed of several strands. And these trends are, for example, the ability to mimic a very good ear, um, an intelligence of the text, empathy, the ability to feel, the ability to become someone else and take on a completely new construct um, and way of thinking. So all these together, they come together at the moment of stepping into the character. And my technique is really based on the idea that you can work those trends separately. Like for example, if somebody is not very good with compassion or empathy, then we work on the empathy muscle. If someone is not very good at reaching um, emotional states like uh, fear or anger or, or sadness, and, and, and let's face it, there are emotions that we spend our entire life running away from. But the actor needs to take them on. The actor needs to be very good at being sad because that's part of the, tool, the tools in the toolbox. So yes, yeah, so, so the, the mistakes that I see sometimes is people who think that doing funny voices for animation and video games is sufficient and not realizing that acting comes from a place of truth. Whatever genre and whatever volume or size of delivery Pain is pain. Sadness is sadness. And if it doesn't come from a truthful place within, then it will be out of bounds. Like, for example, if I sort of go into, into my sadness state, and, and this, this is me feeling sadness and, and, and feeling it. And, and now, if I go into a character that is feeling really sad, this is what my character is. And my character can be even bigger than this. It can be terribly big and terribly funny in the same way because it's But at the same time it's very true. Wow. And, and 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 that's so the, the mistake, the common mistake is, is is not understanding that all the characters, whatever genre and whatever size we do, comes from the same place in acting, which is a place of truth within oneself and, and the ability to be vulnerable and embrace vulnerability.
2: Fabulous responses. And just agree 100%. And, and I see this a lot in the people who pursue this is that the separation from greater acting, or, or for lack of a better term, like there is no separation between voice acting and acting. It's just a specific style of it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and that's why when people come to me, and I think, because I I don't teach beginners, I teach professionals who want to get better at what they do and want to sort of reach a step further. And, and that's why for a lot of people, I just say, well, go back to, you know, find an acting group in your town or city and, and, and join that. it will be much, much better value than paying me a fortune to, teach you what you can learn for $20 an hour. Come to me when you've got your agent, when you're already on that first or second rung of the ladder, and then you want to climb higher. But don't don't come to me with the basics because you're wasting your money and I wouldn't want to take it. Avoid side jobs that are too time consuming. Allow side jobs that are that match what you can do, um, and 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 book you for an hour here and an hour there, so they it matches and it can be synchronized with your voiceover work. Like I I know somebody who trained as a masseur, and I think that was such a good idea, because a masseur is booked by the hour. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was going to go so do so <laughs>
2: It's got another side gig attached, if you're interested. So
3: it depends on how much you're willing to charge. No,
0: no. Of <laughs> course, I, I would not. I would not recommend anyone to go into prostitution. <laughs> I, that's, uh, the disclaimer. Not is these that, days, anyway. Um, not these days. No. Um, but uh, but I I would recommend for anyone getting into the business to find a side hustle that is based on the same hourly system that your voice over work will be. And therefore you can sort of earn the money whilst being available to do the job. Um, and I think that's if, if I had to start again, that's what I would tell my younger self.
2: Brilliant advice. Again, thinking of your career strategically, not just, I want to (laughs) work.
0: Yeah. We, I mean, everybody wants to work. Only the people who think about it in a fairly rational and strategic way are going to make it mm-hmm. um, the rest are going to stay on the periphery and 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 it really is I was talking at a at a dinner party not so long ago with someone who is an actor and and he was going, oh yeah yeah voiceover I, I yeah I've toyed with the idea and uh, yeah I, I sent a couple of emails, but there was no reply and I I had to sort of stop myself from going what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> It's not a couple of emails that are going to get you the job it's a, it's the hard graft of committing to it for 2 years or 1 year of saying okay today I'm targeting the advertising agencies and therefore I've got a, my demo, I'm going to find who they are, I'm going to send at least 20 to 30 emails a day, and and I'm going to calculate what churn I've got, i.e. how many responses do I get for my 30 emails a day? Because if I get one out of 100, and, and if that one person will give me one job a year, how many do I need in order to survive? And it's it's that kind of thing. And And there was a bit of a Sort of laissez-faire, laissez-blazer attitude, which annoyed me, <laughs> because I'm because I'm a professional,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and 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 it's not for me. It's not a, a, a voiceover is not a side hustle for acting. It is part of my acting career because I do. I, I still do acting. I, I'm, I'm still a professional actor. I still do TV films and all that trabang So when they look at, at Voiceover as, oh, a quick way to make a buck during the pandemic, and I, and yeah, maybe I should have a professional studio as well. Kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just
2: makes my blood boil. Yeah. I know, uh, I know.
0: It's, <laughs> like, it's like it's 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 my fucking career you're talking about here, and you're sort of going, yeah, maybe I'll do that. Yeah.
2: Uh, well, what I love, Stefan, is this this theme. Like, I mean, obviously, you're extremely passionate about acting in general. This ability to be objective and to pursue it dispassionately, for lack of a better word, and just like to not, or like you said, strategically and logically look at or sort of reverse engineer what you need to do to accomplish your goals and then just pursue it with consistency and
0: persistence. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's the only way forward. Like, for example, that my last class at VU Atlanta was an accountability class where we met, and I think it was very, very, very good value. And it is very good value because it's going to continue for a year. And so basically, we met for three hours at VO Atlanta, it was an next session And it was a group of 12 people, all interested in various fields. And from now on, we're going to meet once a month, remotely. But I give them things to do, according to what they wanted. So, for example some of them were interested in gaming and animation some were interested in uh, audio guides for museums so from one month to the next i've given them homework like for example for the gamers who are the indie producers i want names contacts um, casting directors of all the indie developers in uh, the czech republic the czech republic so that's one of the things they need to come back to me with. And our next meeting is on Thursday. And and for the others, it was finding out uh, for e-learning, for example, who are the e-learning makers and video producers for the US? And And really, it's targeting that and doing that homework before sending stuff out. I think we're all so Eager to go, that we tend to sort of think, okay, I'll, I'll write to animation companies, and then we're starting to write the email even before we've made sure that we've got the material to send them, or even before we're ready to actually book the first gig. I think planning for these things, uh, and it's something I learned the hard way, is is vital.
3: Absolute brilliance. Well, Stefan, unfortunately, we're almost out of time. We No, so, no, no. I know. Go? We're so appreciative of having you on the show. And Oh, I
0: I'm, I'm I'm loving every minute of it. It's the show off in me.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of showing off, before you go, <laughs> tell our listeners how they can work with you either as a coach or hire you as a voice actor if any clients happen to be listening.
0: Well, my website is easy to find. It's my acting website. It's I don't really have a a mentoring website or a, a coaching website because it, it really remains a very small side hustle uh, for me. I, I don't want it to take over my time. Um, I'm a working actor. I just think that I need to pass it on as well. But the best thing to do is look me up, thevoiceliketchocolat.com, the voicelikechocolate.com. The voice like the voice like and just send me an email through that. Or, if you've got a pen and paper, stefan underscore cornycard at hotmail.com. stefan underscore cornycard at hotmail.com.
3: I like the alt take. Very good. Yeah, thank <laughs> yeah. you. You have a future on you know, this, young Can we get an ABC
2: on the website <laughs> one more time? No. <laughs> 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 stefan, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so yeah, same much. Same
0: here. Same here. I mean, I've been following you guys for a while, so I'm very pleased that we, we finally... Sort of got together, and it's the beginning of a beautiful, long friendship. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but I, I, I do believe so.
2: Us too. Oh, Paul, what have we done?
0: But... Oh my God, you've got a, you've got a stalker. You've got a stalker. I know where you live. <laughs>
1: Walgreens because it's flu season you live in a place with doorknobs and handrails and you know people we tried booking a vacation rental on one of those other websites they don't always tell you everything the stars take it to the red carpet we are back live from the red carpet california leads the way for change in america and so does kamala harris rated m for mature claire redfield and who exactly are you so yeah what hashtag should i use to describe a grown man in a tuxedo wrestling a goat
4: and prior to 1933 many of them belonged to a variety of political parties that were now outlawed
3: in germany
2: this is the story of how q got curly quinn was crazy about
3: curls curly fries curly straws curly haired dogs Hey, Jay Michael here.
4: Thanks for listening to the VO Meter podcast. It's one of my favorites. If you're looking for a great demo like the ones you just heard, check out jmcdemos.com for more information.
2: Hey, Paul, did you know Voice123, the largest online marketplace for voice actors,
3: just celebrated its 20th year anniversary? Whoa, really? That's amazing. Doesn't really surprise me, though. I've used Voice123 since the beginning of my career. I remember way back in my first year where I booked a job as a hypnotist, I actually got to say, you are getting very sleepy on a radio ad. The whole thing was super easy. They even paid me right away for the audition and said that was all they needed. I've been
2: a member of Voice123 for years as well. I've always enjoyed their upfront policies, ability to contact clients directly,
3: and their commitment to the voiceover industry. Totally. CEO Rolf Veldman has appeared on the show before, and in every interaction I've had with him and the company, I've felt a sense of trust, like they really care.
2: Well, if you want a great place to find your VO niche and find yourself as a voice actor, visit voice123.com for more information.
3: Now, VO Meter listeners can also get 15% off premium tier memberships. For more information, visit our website and click on the Click Here to Save 15% banner on our sponsors page.
2: Voice123, speak for yourself.
3: So thank you to Stefan. Uh, he's another one of those people that I've always kind of wanted to have on, but first of all, never thought he'd say yes. And then secondly, um, just kind of slipped my mind because I never thought he'd say yes, but he, he was kind enough to ask us at View Atlanta. And kind of like when we were blown away by Simon Vance asking us to be on the show, I said, of course, like it's as soon as possible. So he's he's our first guest after the conference, and we were so happy to have him.
2: Yeah, it was definitely one of those, you know you've made it when, moments, right? <laughs> <laughs> But Stefan, I mean, you're, it was so great listening to your story, you're such a wonderful storyteller and such an amazing talent. We were truly blessed to have you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. So that wraps up this episode
3: of the vo Measuring your voiceover progress. Coming up, we'll be featuring an interview with Cherie B. Tay, who's a voice actor based in New York City. Who comes from a theater background? It'll be really interesting to hear what she has to say about the comparisons and contrasts between the theater world and the VO world. Awesome. Really excited to talk with Cherie. Thank you guys so
2: much for listening. You'll hear us in the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the VO Meter. To follow along, visit us at
3: www.vometer.com. We'd also love to hear your comments or suggestions for the show. Or if you have a questionable gear purchase, tell us all about it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at the VOMeter.